Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Bruno Reagan, former Vanderbilt offensive lineman during the Derek Mason era. He's also the host of the Afternoon Stretch, Monday through Friday on WNSR. That is 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time. So tune in to his show alongside with Zach Williams. And we dive into everything revolving Vanderbilt football with Bruno Reagan. We dive into some of the successes of the season. But for the most part, we dive into the issues within the offense. Where's the blame? Is most of the blame with Joey Lynch and the coaching staff, or are these players simply not executing? We dive into the details with the offense. Also, how impressed has Bruno been with what he's seen from Clark Lee's defense? We talk about that, and we also dive into the future of Vanderbilt football. What is the ceiling for Clark Lee's Commodores in year five, for example? So we dive into all of that and much more. Coming right up here on the Door Report. Powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 119. It is October 27th, 2021. It's Halloween week. So enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there, wherever you are, however you may be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Door Report. We are, as always, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. This episode is all about Mr. Bruno Reagan. He is a former Vanderbilt offensive lineman during the Derek Mason era. He's also the host of an afternoon sports talk radio show, The Afternoon Stretch on Sports Radio WNSR here in Nashville from 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday alongside Zach Williams. So he joins the podcast to dive into the state of Vanderbilt football, where this program is right now, and why there are so many issues with this offense right now. Looking back at the offense last season and taking a look at some of the success they had under Andy Ludwig last season and Todd Fitch, of course. So we dive into everything revolving Vanderbilt football with Mr. Bruno Reagan, former Vanderbilt football player himself. He dives in, he dives into a little bit of the alumni base and how connected some of them are as a family and how enjoyable it is to come back, but also some of the disconnects there. And we dive into everything involving Vanderbilt football. So stay tuned because coming right up, we've got Bruno Reagan on the door report. But first, a word from Alaco Finewood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Finewood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Finewood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. Alongside Will Byram, I'm Billy Derrick, and we would now like to welcome in Mr. Bruno Reagan. 
He is, of course, a former Vanderbilt uh, offensive lineman in the Derek Mason era. He's also the host of the afternoon stretch on uh, WNSR, 4 to 6 p.m. in the afternoons, Monday through Friday. Bruno, thanks for checking in. How you doing? Hello, I'm good, guys. About as good as you can be. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Bruno, I want to start with uh, an interesting question, and, and you may not, you may be surprised that, that I'm going here, but what were your expect expectations for this team coming into this season? And I know it's hard to think about that right now, you know, with where this team is at right now, but blank out, basically clear out whatever you've seen from this team thus far this year. What were your expectations for this team? Oh, I've been on the record uh, three and nine is what I expected. And that's about uh, what we got. And we should, we should be at the three now, but I was thinking, you know, I was thinking we get ETSU, probably one more OOC and sneak a SEC team. Uh, obviously it's shaped out a little bit different, but I, I expected three wins. I didn't, ex you know, I didn't expect much. Um, these are guys that just, you know, you don't just wake up and know how to win and run a program with a new coach. I liked the Clark Lee hire, but I knew it was like, let's be honest. Like you look at paper, take away, like take away uh, the visuals of it. I mean, it's a, it's the same hire as Derek Mason really. And uh, I was a fan of Derek, but he, um, Derek, Coach Mason, but, uh, <laughs> going by he, first name know, basis he, now. Yeah, he yeah. he he just lost. You know, he lost some. He lost a ton of momentum to where the point with the program was at a point. You know, it just it was unacceptable to be at. So, so it was you know it was impossible to defend. Um, I think Clark, but look, Derek had Derek had the the he had the climb his first year. You know, it was an abysmal first year. Then we had four. Then we had six. And then that June that junior year, twenty seventeen, should have been more, but it was five. Mm -hmm. And then we had six again. Yeah. I mean, it was it was disappointing, but at the same time, it was also some of the best in the school's history. You know, it's a it's not really a rich history yet, but it's it's possible here. It's possible. Um, so I expect I expect you know four or five next season, and I expect six by the third. Yeah, Derek Mason. Billy will know, I always say, would be remembered a lot more fondly if the last year never happened. If he would have been let go after the 2019 know, season, yeah. he, he would be thought of as probably the longest, most consistently successful coach at Vanderbilt that was tenured as long as he was. Um, but I, I know you went with the win-loss perspective there from this team. But I think what I've – we us going into the season, we didn't expect the offense to be the side of the ball that would be – the thing you point at that is struggling so badly. I, I think a lot of us were expecting the playmakers that they had last year to develop and it just never happened. So as far as that is concerned, was that a surprise coming in or were you as an offensive line guy kind of uh, expecting? The second, the second I saw that they've, realigned they reassigned play calling duties i knew it was you know i knew it was going to be a dud I'm, I'm no holds barred and you know i'm not going to be nice anymore and i'm just going to say what's what i thought the second i saw i that, respect that yeah no the second i saw that you know i was like they're in for it like if you if you have to make that change that late it's just it's you know all, that basically takes all the progress from the spring from the fall from a consistency standpoint to just but you know might as well just <laughs> punch a guy concuss him and start over again that would be a better a better thing than coaching guys to do something one way and then just completely flip-flopping on it um yeah i knew it was going to be tough um i uh i thought the o-line was playing well in the spring and then someone told me hey check them out in the fall and see if you still think they're playing well and they weren't but now they're now they're doing okay but i think now it's just there's no there's no offensive direction offensive football is such a i mean it needs to be extremely structured extremely organized it's a lot like a militaristic thing defense is just a bunch of morons running around as fast <laughs> as they can um 
just trying to make a play. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, offense is about being a just a, a machine, a ruthless machine that acts as like a hive mind. And they're not that right now. They're, there's 11 people just trying to do their own thing. Well, I think the wide receivers have played pretty well and consistent. But, you know, you got to get everybody on the same page. And they haven't been on the same page since day one. Bruno, Will and I have been talking a lot about this offense and, you know, off of day one against ETSU, we knew there were deeper issues with this offense and we knew there was a disconnect somewhere. We weren't quite sure right after game one, whether it was some of the play calls from Joey Lynch or maybe some of the quarterback wide receiver chemistry, but it's crazy looking back at last season and looking at what Andy Ludwig was able to do with this offense and they move, I mean, they scored points against A&M. They were moving the ball against SEC teams and now They've had some success at times, but this offense looks completely different. And I know you just touched on it a little bit, but where is the disconnect? I know this is what this is the million dollar question right now, but it, are, are you in the boat of this is a million different issues right now? Or are you able to narrow it down to one certain issue with this offense? I was just, it's tough. Um, but I, and I, it's going to be, you know, a workaround answer, but when we, had we had Andy Ludwig at the top of our hierarchy and right below him was Kyle Shermer and then everybody else was below Kyle and having a guy like Kyle was so important um you know Kyle gave us the message and me and Justin would give it to the O-line Kyle would give it to the wide receivers to the running backs he was the coach on the field he was the commander he was the leader and what he said was law and you don't mess with them or else you know you you mess with us that was kind of the mindset I feel like there's no leader on this team yet and being a quarterback that's the toughest thing about being a quarterback is it is just so much more so when you're also flip-flopping quarterbacks it's like who is it who is it who is it it's just different it's just different different guys different things um we got to play under one system and we consistently got better every single year under Lud. and until you know we have that i don't know if vanderbilt's going to be the type of place that even i'm arguing for transfers but it's not like it's going to be the same it's not like we're going to get five transfers come in we're going to be an explosive offense these guys need to have a plan the football is a business clark lee is the ceo and he needs to have a business plan and follow it i understand that things pop up and you have to make decisions on the fly and that's what makes or break coaches but if you don't have a plan from the go i mean like right now it's it just seems very all for not yeah, so you kind of are hitting on that there are a lot of different issues. I mean, it was a work on answer, but that's all you can really give. If you could point at this team and say, this is the issue, I think they would hire you. I right think now. they lack leadership. If, yep. if I had to say one, I think they desperately lack a leader, someone who's going to be like, this is how we're going to do it. This is how, you know, this, and it's going to be, my, and my word is law. And they don't have seven or eight other intimidating guys to back up that guy's law. It's just guys, you know, fighting for themselves. And I understand, I understand that. I mean, look at la the fiasco last year where it was just, you know, they had 40 guys on the field. They were like, this is the most special thing to happen in Vanderbilt football history when Sarah went out there. And it was just a, in COVID, not to mention, that was by far the worst thing about it. And v Vanderbilt, you know, opting to be the forward-thinking school that they are, took extra precautionary measures that I'm sure was just frustrating to deal with. Um, all that combined, you know, now you have to somehow beat that conditioning out of a team. It's tough. It's tough. And that, and I, I say that because I don't hate Sarah or what happened. If I would have, I would have done what she did a million times over and she made the kicks, you know, but, <laughs> but the, just the, the skept, the show that was going on, it wasn't about the players and their, in their safety because there were only 40. So how are you practicing? But they were out there practicing. It wasn't about them anymore. It was about, 
just who knows what last season was about. Now we're trying to get back to, you know, Hey, this is what we're about. And Clark, and it's, it's a nearly impossible job to do in one year. Hey, he sounds a lot like I sounded at the end of our last podcast. Yeah, really. That he, sounds very similar to the rant that I just went on. But he reminds you, me of a Will Byram. In, yeah, in that you, <laughs> you, walk, you walked into the question that I was going to ask was, you look at these guys on this roster, especially at the receiver position and at tight end, and coming back, Ken Seals had high expectations going into this year. These guys have talent. Like, you're looking at it and saying, yes, could it be personal uses? There is talent on this offense. So what percentage of it, and I know this might be a loaded question, do you think is really just guys that have just kind of lost faith in in the football program as a whole to win? You kind of always talk about knowing how to win. And how much is it on this staff that they haven't really utilized those guys in the way that they were probably brought into Vanderbilt to be utilized? Yeah, I, I think the the thing that pops up in my head last game, I look, I was, it was the third quarter or something, and I just look on the press box, and luckily enough, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably on my way out of, you know, my responsibilities in the Vanderbilt area. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm literally looking around the press box. I'm like, has Cam caught a pass yet? Um, that's You're laying it all of, out there. Basically. That's, that's sort of the, that's sort of the thing I'm just like, like I'm in awe of is, you know, that's, you know, that should are. be, that's what should be one of the guys, one of the leaders going out there. And, and it's not like they lack effort. I'm just football is such a mental game. Do I think they want to win? Yes. Do I think they have the mental, to know how to prepare and overcome to win, not yet. And that is the coach's job. I mean, it coaching in the college level is the hardest thing in the world. I don't know why people keep asking NFL guys to come back to college because it is you're dealing with kids. You are dealing with kids and the, in their time, their most, their most impressionable time growing into men. And a lot of them don't know how to do that. A lot of them are desperately trying to survive. They're not thriving. And a coach's responsibility is to try and guide them into that right frame of mind. Um, a lot of times it just feels like, you know, there's just, it's just, there's no direction for these guys. It's just, hey, we're going to take it week by week. How about we start getting – and I don't, I don't – I'm not in those meetings, and that stuff shouldn't come out where when I was with Ludd in our first years, I was like, hey, we are, we're losing games, but this is what we're going to work on next week. We're going to try and turn the ball over zero times this game. We're going to try and up our yards, 150 rushing yards. That's a, that's a big challenge, but we're going to go do it. Um, those were our things, and I don't, I, I'm not sure that's going on behind the scenes, but that, they need to give these guys something to work towards that's a tangible goal other than, oh, we lost last week. Let's win this week. Oh, we lost last week. This one, this week. Let's give these guys some kind of, you know, forward thinking. And maybe they are. I just don't know, but I don't see it on the field. Yeah. Billy, and you. it's I, a good thing, Billy, you were here because I think me and Bruno would rile each other up <laughs> to a point of no return because, a, man, it, it's it's like looking uh, it's at a, a recorded It's a blessing mirror. in disguise of, of, uh, of a mediator here. But, Bruno, I want to go here. The, a lot of times this season, I think Vandy fans get distracted by the expectations of this program in year one under Clark Lee. Yes, the ETSU loss was disastrous, and that set them back even further. But I want to ask you, how much could this season and what has happened this season do you think could impact the 2022 recruiting class? Because I, from what I've seen, it hasn't impacted it a whole lot. Maybe they miss on a few guys that they may have wanted. But for the guys right now, I've seen one or two decommits where in a season like this, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So how much do you think what happens in this season could impact the next recruiting class? 
I don't think it will. I think the people who want to come to Vanderbilt are already mentally ill enough to want to, you know, try and overcome that challenge. It's a, such a form. That's why I tell kids, I'm like, listen, you are choosing a hard path, but it is such a formative experience that if you get to the other side, you can do some crazy things at a young age. I mean, the amount of people that call that I know that are alumni just doing, you know, compared to my best, but like I live back in Carswell, Tennessee, my hometown. So I hang around my buds, my hometown buds. And then it's night and day when I go hang out with my alumni base, you know, as far as just what's going on in their life, right? If you, the kids that want to come to Vanderbilt, they're going to come take that challenge no matter what. They like the school. They probably like the coaches. They probably see opportunity to play. So it's like, whatever's happening now, that ain't my problem. You know, I'm going to go out there and do my thing. Um, I think I love, I, that's why I like the, most of the guys that get recruited here. It's um mostly cut the same cloth. There's a, a lot of people aren't up to the challenge. Even, you know, you try and push them, push them, push them, and maybe they graduate, but don't play, or maybe they transfer out, but that's part of the, that's part of the process of Vanderbilt. It is what so it is. there is, there is the part, the part of that, obviously I didn't play football at Vanderbilt. So it, that, there's that, there's that portion, but there has to be, you hear things out of the administration, like there's no priority scheduling for student athletes, which is crazy. It's that is crazy to me. I have never heard of a university not having that. There are academic parts and difficulties at Vanderbilt that yes, are, are extremely unique, but I wouldn't say outside of the conference and competition that they're, that they're so much more unique than a Northwestern or a Stanford or a Wake Forest. And that's where I think the disconnect is, is you've seen those schools with support from their administration. So what do we have to see that can be done now, right now, we put you in that AD role what is your first move? Here I do go. not. I do not envy Candace Lee. I, I think, do not either. I think I told her that in person. I was like, I do not envy your job. My has to be the hardest job in the world, and a lot of people will think you'll never do it right. I like. I personally like her from the, because she was there when David Williams was there when I was there, and she would rile me up all the time with with the way she talked. I was like, yes, um, one hundred percent. So behind the scenes, from my experience, I really like her. But the thing is, what what I. Vanderbilt has an extremely anti-athletic viewpoint that somehow only Tim Corbin has bent into his will. I have no idea how that guy does it, Unreal. but yeah, but, uh, but I, when you talk to, when you talk to the guy, you figure out how he does it. He's just a master of, I don't know. Like what's that one book by Carnegie? It's like how to influence people. He must've read that 40 times when he was 17 <laughs> years old and just lived it. That guy's insane. Um, Vanderbilt's a place where it's like you have how many professors I wonder at that school a few hundred and then there's probably double in uh, deans that don't do anything that just walk around and do nothing and this is all stuff that a Vanderbilt professor who I'm not going to name but he was like 85 years old he's like I'm tenured I don't care this school is the weirdest place in the world because it's like for every professor there's like four deans that are above you that just have meetings they have one meeting a day and that's their job and you know how you know when a school is like just that focused in their kind of that higher education like ego how is a football program supposed to compete when you know they're like hey our students at our student athletes need this thing that other students frankly shouldn't get like the is it an advantage yes but also 
I don't want to miss practice and run down. There's nothing worse. I don't know if, I don't know how many people listen to this went to Vanderbilt. There's nothing worse than getting out of practice and running to Edge Hill, especially if you're a freshman because you can't have a car on campus, running to Edge Hill Avenue through <laughs> the hospital to get on time at class. Because also, if you're late, the class checker, the student athlete class checker will check you off if you're not there on time and then call your coach. And then you have to go at four in the morning to get punished. The whole thing just feels like, why are you guys against me? I'm on your team. You know, it's so uh, at one hand, your team can embrace that and bond over it. If you ever see guys like Trent Sherfield or Trey Ellis say OTMU out the mud university, we were like, we're we're at the worst athletic centered prestigious university. And we just, we, we would like laugh about it and we bonded over it. And that was our thing. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people are like, wow, this sucks, sucks. And it let, you know, they let them weigh it down. So Vanderbilt has a million ways to go. I hope the chancellor is, you know, doing his best, but you're going to have to influence a lot of people because 90% of that school is just a bunch of nerds that are like six years old, you know? <laughs> well, we got Bruno Baraldo. up. It feels good. It feels good <laughs> yep. right now. There I want to go. go here. Uh, well, it, you know, Will and I talk about this all the time, what the potential of Vanderbilt football is. And we didn't have this podcast going during the Franklin years. And if we did, we would have gotten, you know, we hopefully, you know, we would have grown there. But what's the ceiling? Would have been a little for this more pro- enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> would have been fun. What's the ceiling, Bruno, for this program? And this may seem like an impossible question, but for Clark Lee, where he is right now and where he may want to be four or five years down the road, for him right now, not James Franklin, not Coach Mason, not Bobby Johnson, but what is the ceiling for Vanderbilt football? Where do you envision Clark Lee's Commodores being in five years? The SEC East is not a good conference. It is not a good conference. Florida, while they're under Dan Mullen, is going to be the most undisciplined team, and they will never play their potential against Vanderbilt. It just will not happen. You catch George on a bad year, win five or six sec games maybe lose one or two you catch the eastern conference do i ever think vanderbilt win the sec honestly maybe not i really don't i really don't know if they'll win it in my lifetime which is hard (laughs) to believe because there's 12 to 14 teams in the sec well there's soon to be 16 and you you imagine one of those one of those years you know it's like we have to win but franklin showed that this place can win heck i thought i thought we could have won eight or nine games during my years um it dude it can just it can just happen it's not that it's not like it's the most impossible thing in the world it really isn't when i think of ceiling i don't think vanderbilt's going to be like a playoff contender or something but i do think they can be a top 25 team in this country then we can start talking about hey maybe we're close enough you know um so we've got I got a million ways we've got a long way to go till that but it's possible man yeah, I think the ceiling thing is is tough because you saw what I, that's that's another reason I think Derek Mason would be viewed a lot more fondly if he wasn't following up the most successful era in the history of Vanderbilt football outside of the 1920s. So yeah. I, I think yeah, he got harshly yeah. judged. Yeah, but you talked about the leadership and how to get there. Does that you've been on, you've been in the locker room? How does that come more from the coach, the coaching staff, the coordinators, or is it from the players? Uh, did the did the leaders have to develop from the inside out or can the coaches help develop those leaders and put them in place i think it's the inside out what's the one x factor at clemson right now between this year and last year the quarterback yep trevor lawrence trevor lawrence i think it takes a special kind of dude and kyle was our special kind of dude I think, and then it just, you get guys like Justin schools to rally around the guy like Kyle. And then all of a sudden you have this, you have this circle of 11 guys who are like, this is the way we do it. If you don't like it, get out. 
And if you're bought in, it's all of a sudden just this higher level thing. I mean, you 2016 Vanderbilt versus Tennessee, I was about to punch through the center of the earth. Like I, I've never felt <laughs> anything like that. I've never felt anything like that in my life. You know, I want the guys at this program now to have that feeling one time in their life because it is so unbelievably special. And I think it just takes one it takes one dude like a Kyle Shermer to step up that is more impactful than any coach can be. Coaches come and go, and the only one that really has consistent success is Nick Saban. Every single other one gets outed out. Joe Burrow and Orgeron. Orgeron had Burrow. Orgeron gets all this money. Joe Burrow leaves. All of a sudden, Orgeron's like, you know, man, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> We got we got Dabo at Clemson. Dabo has centered, you know, this big thing. You know, I'm Dabo Sweeney. I'm like the Knicks say in the SEC. Trevor Lawrence bounces. Blah. Kyle Shermer leaves. Co- and when Coach Mason was there his first year, we all knew he was learning on the fly. But as the freshman class, we were like, hey, we're learning on the fly too. So that's really not that big of a deal for us. Um, we're in this together, Coach. So eventually we all grew in that way. But when Kyle left, you saw what happened. Trevor Lawrence leaves, you see what happened. Joe Burrow leaves, you see what happened. Very schools, a few schools are going to be like the Ohio States and have that consistency. So it just takes finding that special guy who can rise to the challenge and is just obsessed with winning. Kyle worked, Kyle had to have worked. Somehow that kid got good grades in Vanderbilt. And he also was working probably 50 hours a week on football alone. It was insane. You just need a guy like that. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, right when I started this podcast, Billy, I've dropped one F-bomb ever. And I said it right after about midway through the season last year. I said, how effing good was Kyle Shermer? So good. Because yeah, I think so it, that he was very, under, he, he, very underappreciated said, I, in that moment until always, Riley Neal stepped in. But Shermer started, I guess that was your freshman year, Bruno, in 2014. That was when Robinette got hurt in the opening game against Temple which thrust what Wade Freebeck and Kyle Shermer into the uh, yeah. well, battle. Shermer didn't Shermer came in 15. It was 15. It okay. Was it was Wade, it was yep. Wade McCrary, McCrary yep. and yep. Stephen Rivers. That's right. That's right. Stephen Rivers. We were going to be lost forever. And then all of a sudden Kyle, Kyle comes in in 15. Yeah. I've always said coach Mason, coach Mason should be thanking him once every day and twice on Sunday because he, you know, Derek Mason did a lot of good things at beating Tennessee, but boy, without Kyle Shermer, I don't know what that, what you and that program are able to do, but Bruno, I want to go with the alums and you along with guys like Ryan Seymour, we've seen torn McGaster active on Twitter. We've seen all kinds of those kind of guys, even Jordan Rogers. He, he voiced his, his uh, excitement for what Clark Lee can do here, but Tell me a little bit more about that family and that brotherhood about, you know, what you've built, but, all, but also guys that you've met along the way at Vanderbilt who came before you and, and how special that is because we gloss over that, I think, a lot. But many other programs have that where the, the guys come back and they have fun together and, and they reminisce on the good times. Talk about that and what that means to you and how that can impact the program and, and, and maybe how Clark Lee is, is looking at that and saying, hey, that can help us. Yeah, I feel like our alumni base is split into two. I feel like we have old Vanderbilt and new Vanderbilt. And new Vanderbilt starts with Wes Johnson's year of guys, Mm -hmm. maybe two years even before Wes Johnson. So cut the alumni base in half. And then because there's guys. So you basically I'm glad you said Ryan Seymour and Torn McGaster, biggest Mason defender and probably the guy that hates Mason the most. (laughs) Um, They're like right here. Total opposite opposite ends of the spectrum. And that's the thing about the new Vanderbilt is they are so invested in this program. They're extremely vocal to mainly a fault. Old Vanderbilt is basically like, hey, you know, we just want to be recognized. 
recognize come back have fun i we do want to win and have a successful program but then you have these guys who are just teeing off you know and the ah derrick mason uh what you know what are you saying so there's the, there's that divide uh, the new vanderbilt guys are all very open and they all you know <laughs> there's the stuff you get on text messages is far more crazier than you would see right. on Twitter. So I see a lot of people are like, the alumni, of course, they're so emotionally invested in the program. Um, but yeah, there, there's, it's just an extremely passionate alumni base. Uh, a lot of guys you want on your side. And a lot, if you know, if you're a good football player, you have a good football team, you bring all these alumni back, develop relationships, and you can go outside into the real world and not be so big and scary too. Um, <laughs> It's 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 just a total positive. Yeah, total positive. Uh, Bruno, we, uh, we we've enjoyed our time here, but I want to touch on Missouri here. We get we do have a football game coming up Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, every week it's, you know, we, we Will and I have talked about it. It's a, it's a new opportunity and we, we try to be as positive we can. But we also talk about if this happens, this could be an ugly game. So for you this week against Missouri, what what's the opportunity to hand and, and say if Vanderbilt competes, what does that mean? And if Vanderbilt gets blown out, like, like, where's the, where's your line of, where's your threshold of, if this happens, uh, here's the perception, or is it just, you know, is it so down right now that, you know, you don't, many fans aren't even really reacting anymore. I feel like everyone's checked out after ETSU. I don't, I don't blame anybody. I personally have had a different, I've had a different view of my, of my watching of the program. I really hate covering this program. It is just not an easy job as an alumni to like, want because i because my my for and i told chris this when i signed on with him my first priority is those kids i say kids but just to separate myself and right. those guys in the locker room deserve the opportunity to not have to listen to me go out there and say this is what they should do the school was better that's not about me that's bullshit that's so stupid and i don't want i don't want it to be that so it, i kind of have a different view because after etsu i do want to go like what you know I've, i'm over it i'm so over it i think these guys are smart enough to realize that missouri is going to be the worst team in the sec they play this year and we're going to see a bunch of effort. I hope the coaches bring their big boy calls too, because this is your opportunity to win your first SEC game. You know, Coach Mason didn't win an SEC game in his first year. That's something Clark Lee could put on the resume. He's like, yeah, I lost to HSU, but I did snag an SEC win my first year. You know, exactly. and then next year, get two or three. And then if you get two or three SEC wins, you might be going bowling next year. You should have won that South Carolina one. You took, tell me you can't win that next year. You can't sneak one from Tennessee, from Kentucky. Heck, Florida plays us like they're all on edibles they're just out there those those guys are such clowns when they play us they never they take are. it serious they really are yeah. it, it was so fun seeing you guys beat them um so that it, it was obviously bruno it's 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 tough right now talking about you know where the program's at but you know not only does will believe in it we're, we're, we're as passionate as we can get and so are you and you know we wanted to get you on so so thanks for taking the time and and uh, hopefully vanderbilt's able to compete this saturday no problem, man. I mean, the coach Mason used to say this and he used to piss everyone off. And I, and I pissed me off too. It pissed me off but when I was there playing, he would say, Hey, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. And I would just be so mad after bad losses. I mean, we would get blown out by Missouri. We would lose to South Carolina and it was just the stu- worst law. It felt like the world was literally ending. And then I wake <laughs> up the next day and I was like, you know, Oh, well, it was another day. It's a new day. Um, 
Yeah, so I've really come to appreciate that mindset because after the ETSU game, I'm surprised I didn't just quit my jobs covering Vandy on the spot. But I'm here, and I'm enjoying covering it now. And the guys, you know, I love watching them. I love watching it still very much, um, very much associated with the school. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it on my phone and do my post-game show from my phone. I got some guys competing this weekend. But it'll be fun, and hopefully I'm going crazy at the tournament I'm at. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. I, threatened, I threatened to stop because I'm obviously doing this after my full-time job through the day. And I was like, well, I'm going to be at the games anyway. It's, it's too, I'm, too, I'm in too deep at this point. I blame yeah. my dad. Like, I'm, no, I've been going since I was five. I'm just a glutton for punishment. So no matter how many times I threaten on Twitter, I'm done, Vandy. I'm, I'm not no, done for yeah, better or be for back. worse. No, yeah, I'll, I will be yeah. back. I'm no, sick. I'm sick. So I'll be back yeah, for more. Yeah, glutton for punishment. Exactly. We're, we're still yep. here. We're still going. It's Vandy Sports still up. Door Report's still up. And uh, thanks for the partnership. Bruno, stay good and uh, have fun this weekend. Appreciate it, guys.